Hey everybody, this is Bob. This episode is part two of On the Road, stories of people traveling across the country during quarantine. In the first part, we heard about Alexis, who booked a last minute flight out of LAX mid-quarantine. In this, we talked to Mike, who not only is driving across country, but is moving from Los Angeles to New York City during the pandemic. Quick note, this interview was recorded while Mike was driving east of Chicago, so the audio is a bit different. And with that, here's part two of On the Road. We're recording. In LA, almost all of us who can stay home are Some are, are quarantined. Six feet. Okay, we're matters. recording. Hey, everybody, this is Quarantstream, the show about life and the top five things to stream in quarantine. I'm Bob Christian in day 26 of Los Angeles' quarantine. And today, our guest is uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I am Mike Nedzwicki, and I am uh, currently on. I-94 East, a little bit outside of Portage, Indiana. Ooh, okay. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. I think in many ways, you're having the ultimate quarantine experience. So I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think this is a really special way to be uh, doing a quarantine. You're kind of seeing every side of what quarantine is. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. All right. Cool. Back on middle March... I cannot believe we've already been in quarantine 26 days, middle of March. Where are you when quarantine begins? Quarantine had started to kind of, uh, in LA at least, had uh, not really been, and it started until a little bit after that it started in New York. So when Carolyn, who is my wife, who is living in New York during this time, started to let me know about some of the things that were going in effect there, I sort of got like a preview of what was eventually going to start rolling out in LA and then as well as, you know, sort of the rest of the country. Basically. So you thought from the beginning that New York was going to lead LA's way. You thought LA and New York were going to kind of be on the same path. I thought that they would be an ex a slightly more extreme version of what we would be doing in LA and, and then the rest of the country would be following after that. Like I kind of saw that that would be the, the issue because obviously from the news that was coming out at that time, population density and like uh, the number of people you saw on a given day would affect how extreme you had to be about it. When you were talking with Carolyn about what was going on in New York, did you start preparing for life in LA under quarantine or were you already prepared? No, I honestly didn't think that it would get to the shelter in place that quickly. I thought it would roll mm -hmm. out a little more slowly because I think we like the way that it started, if I mean, everything's happened so fast during all this, but I think it was basically like suggesting people work from home until the actual like shelter in place stuff sort of going in, into place. So like you had a little bit of a preview of like, oh yeah, I mean, if you're in an office, that makes sense. Don't be around everyone. You can definitely work from home. Just get out, <laughs> get out of, of, uh, of harm's <laughs> way is what it looked like it was going to be. But anyway, yeah, it just uh, it seemed like it was going to be a suggestion for a little bit longer before they actually had to start putting stuff in place. But, you know, uh, Americans are stubborn. They want, <laughs> they want to do what they want to do. They want to go out to where they want to go out. They're not going to take anybody else's uh, advice until it becomes like a legal issue. Jade and I were just talking about that, how Sweden has started relaxing their uh, guidelines. And yeah. we're so such a different country, such a different people. Sweden basically told its people, it's on you. If you get people sick, that's on you. And so the Swedish people, I guess, are taking that seriously. And I said, if you told any Angelino, this is on you if you get people sick, you have to decide. 
most of them would not care. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's my upbringing or, or what, but I've, I've seen a lot of people in the mode of just like, I'm going to look out for me and my family. And if anything gets in the way of that, then that's that's where we start having a problem but like everybody else's family should be doing the same and then they believe that that as a system will just kind of work yeah it's kind of myopic and sort of selfish idea personally so let's go back to your first day when you're finally given the shelter at home order yeah what was that first day first week like for you was it a lot of adjusting or were you used to being at home by that point what was your first what was your initial experience of sheltering at home like so I think one of the things that is important to note is like with Carolyn having moved to New York City and me being in LA essentially by myself living in the in the home by myself I was already feeling intensely isolated already just to start because I work from home already I was at home a lot by myself so when the orders went into place I just kind of kept doing what I was already doing which is like I would go out and hike by myself and I would go and like ride my bike around and like do things just out in the open that I knew weren't like in inherently around, like uh, wouldn't involve other people basically. So I just kept hiking for like the first week. It's just like, uh, I need to get out. I need to move my legs. I'm, I'm not gonna like my, my gym clothes. I was super mad about that. <laughs> I think that was my first, my first moment of like, Oh man, how, how are you taking this away from me? I had like two weeks left on a gym membership before I canceled it to move. And then uh, it just took those last two weeks away from me. I still don't know if I get my money back for that, actually. I haven't, like, so many things have happened that I, I've not stopped to go back to look to see if that actually will happen. But yeah, I just operated like I could just keep going out and doing effectively the things that I needed to do. You know, I didn't want to go and prep groceries for a house that I knew I only had a few weeks left in. I didn't have a whole bunch of plans in place other than like, oh, it was just keep this going like normal until I leave this place. Now, at any time, did that change? Like, did you start hiking less or biking less? Or was that pretty much your modus operandi until Carolyn arrived back in LA? I did stop hiking when they shut the trails. I had already started to notice that everybody with, with everyone being home and with them being antsy and wanting something to do, the trails had already like started to get more busy, which, you know, it's not a great long-term plan you can't avoid people on a very thin like goat trail i did keep riding my bike just because that's a little easier to stay away from people but yeah i uh i was i was like going out to the beach just to like to get away from it like the quiet beaches out in malibu again just to get away from people but be out and doing something that stopped once the, the orders to close the beach went into effect i just like i don't love the government telling me what to do <laughs> So if the city is telling me that I can't go to the beach, like my first instinct is like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> I will defy this just out of like pure spite. Uh, but I also didn't want to have to deal with like a ticket that I would have to get as I was leaving town and then maybe like have to come back to fight. So I just eventually went on the side of I'm going to leave this alone and not go to the beach during this time and not go back on the trails just in case they are going to give out citations, which I think they I'm surprised that they haven't had to give those out. I don't know anyone that's gotten one. I believe they started giving them out to people who were hanging around watching sunset at the beach. Oh, really? That's the only thing I've heard, though. Yeah. So, Carolyn came into town, uh, I guess, about a week ago now? Uh, yeah, a little over a week. 
Did you guys talk about how that meeting was going to go or how you guys were going to deal with her coming from New York with those germs and you being in LA or how did that meetup go? We didn't really have like a germs talk specifically. Like we didn't talk about like what we were going to do about one another with the virus as much as we were like, oh, hey, it's been six months of us living apart, three months since I've actually even seen you. Like we were like, we're just going to see each other and whatever happens, happens. But the logistics of it, you know, like, like up until the moment that she left, we weren't entirely sure that she was going to be able to fly because she had had two flights that were canceled out of JFK that were supposed to come to LA, just like straight up canceled. And then she was on her third flight out of Newark. And, you know, flights are being canceled all the time out of the, out of there. Like people are really, really afraid of like travel bans specifically for New York City going into place because it's stuff that Trump has said. And so people were just canceling their flights and like trying to get refunds. And so fewer and fewer people were getting on these planes, so they were canceling the flights outright. So it wasn't until the moment that Carolyn was actually on the plane itself that she started to believe, oh, this might actually happen. I might be able to fly to LA right now. On her flight, there were only 15 people and they were all sitting completely separate from one another. And she was tucked into the window and the people working on the flight would only come up to the tray in the aisle you were supposed to like drop that down for them and they would set your drink with like an extended arm leaning back onto that tray and then scoot away from you as possible as quickly as possible and that was the that was the flight over we lived in pasadena for context uh and i if anyone knows the la area got to lax from pasadena in and then walked inside the gate to go greet carolyn in 30 minutes total which is oh wow insane based on like how much time that would usually take me two hours most of the time uh but yeah there's nobody on the roads so i was able to get in very quickly there's no one at lax at all so i was able to like quickly like park and move without ever even interacting with any other humans and get into the gate and not touch anything in the gate and then you know help her with her bag and get into the car and get out of lax like very very quickly it's kind of amazing now you guys are moving out of LA for good, what was yeah. it like packing up and leaving LA behind when you can't really do anything in LA right now? Yeah, yeah, I had a uh, shelter in place stuff went into effect two to three days before I was about to start doing my final like goodbye parties and like events and things. So I did, I didn't get a chance to do those like really pleasant things like hug your friends goodbye as we were leaving. I, uh, I don't know. I do feel pretty pretty bummed by that, pretty robbed of that that ability. Like that very nice thing that everybody likes to do when they move away is, you know, actually sit down with everyone and talk to them. I've done a few Zooms with people. That's not really. Yes, I, we've had people drive up to our house and then we talk to them through their car windows, basically on the phone. Uh, driven up to the driveway we've driven up we drove into your driveway to say goodbye i mean mm -hmm. we did a few a few things <laughs> to try to do the best that we could with the goodbyes but yeah we were i, I it really did not get the chance uh and i'm bummed out about it yeah that all of it all of it is to say it was uh no fun and then during all that even <laughs> the moving <laughs> during the, all that even the moving itself was always called into question like we didn't know if the shipping container that we stuck all our stuff in that's like driving it, itself across the country was going to show up on the day like we got i rented like non-cardboard crates to try to be a little more eco-friendly and make everything a little more uniform and easy 
I didn't know if those were going to show up at any given time. They were already like, everything was delayed a couple of like days or so. Moving is tough. Most people hate it. Moving across country is even harder. And then moving in cross country in the middle of a global pandemic is like, maybe the, I don't think I wish any of this upon my worst enemies now moving forward. I now know how to spite someone. <laughs> I could just wish this upon them. So let's start talking about this drive you guys are doing. You're driving sure. from LA all the way to New York. How many days are you into this trip? We started a day early. We stopped first night in Vegas, which is spooky central. It is like a bunch of the casinos are just dark, like circus, circus. None of the lights, none of the little twinkly lights on it are on in any way. Oh wow! Uh, there are no pedestrians when you drive down the strip. None at all. Like there's people in cars, all just like gawking at like the weirdness that is an empty strip in in Vegas, and all of the giant casinos are closed, and uh, they have you know massive hotels, but they can't be used because of like the space issues. So they just they've taken all of the hotel room lights and turned them all off except for the ones that they want to spell out like you know Vegas strong or like a big heart with the lights on the side of a building or like hope was on one of them. It was, it's just a really That's surreal and eerie, strange seeing hope yeah. on a hotel room. I know it's just so, so strange to drive through there. We happened to stay at a hotel that was just like outside of the strip that was still running. It's just a hotel, not like a casino thing. And it's completely empty. Like there's no one in it. There's just the, the soft elevator music that plays in every hotel lobby and one person sitting behind the desk and then that's it and you're like ushered into your room basically oh wow from from vegas we moved on to just outside of zion national park we stayed in a little place called apple valley uh at a cabin we drove around zion national park and it was completely devoid of people and no one was stopped no one was hiking no one was taking pictures it was just us and the people that work in the park making sure that people aren't stopping basically in Zion, you can't stop or hike or anything. You have to drive straight through. Yeah, basically, they they have only like security trucks, basically making sure that no one is like stopping for too long. Like we we stopped to take, you know, like a little quick like photo of the checkerboard hillside or whatever whatever that thing is called. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just empty. But what's great is they uh, all those like bighorns that usually like live in the park and are you know tucked away and off the road a little bit. They're all just kind of wherever they want to be right now. Like they're out in the middle of the road. You can drive right up on them. Oh, it's awesome. It's a very cool experience to see that. Oh, they're just, just insanely surreal. Everything is empty in the towns around it. Like they don't have the support systems in place to take on that many tourists. You know, they don't have like giant hospitals in these small towns. So they immediately were like, no, don't come here. Other sections like Arches and um, uh, what's a Bryce, Bryce Canyon. Those are completely closed, like you can't drive through them even. So you left Zion, where did you go to next? The next stop was Denver. And how is that city different from LA? People are still driving around about the same amount as it is in LA, like as people are driving around in LA, but nobody's actually at anything, like the restaurants are closed. No one's wearing masks, I would say, is like maybe the biggest difference, as far as we could tell anyway, nobody was walking around in masks. We stayed at a, a, a hotel that is one of those open concepts on the inside. Like it's an indoor thing, but like it's very, very high ceilings, several stories high ceilings. And then like all the doors face uh -huh. into that central, like central section of the hotel. And it's just also mm -hmm. completely empty. And the guy that was working the desk was like, oh, 
I haven't seen a person in two hours. <laughs> that people walking around the hotel did not seem to care very much about the six feet. Nobody was just hanging out, you know, the way that people kind of do in like lobbies and and so on. But just passing by, it seemed like whoever was there and was traveling had already made up their mind that they weren't going to care about the six foot rule. So it was like just <laughs> constantly just me doing the like I'm doing this for both of us shift around them uh, and weird little dance <laughs> it's just super surreal it just feels it feels like a you know a zombie apocalypse or like a it, everything just feels apocalyptic in the cities themselves and then you get on the road and you start driving from one city to the next and it's just cars on the road and you can't tell any difference the, the only thing that you can tell is that the signs the street signs that usually give you like traffic information they all say stay at home save a life something that something to do with covid so what is it how many hotels have you stayed at now uh we stayed at a hotel in vegas we stayed in an airbnb in uh outside of uh zion we stayed at a hotel in denver we stayed at an airbnb in omaha nebraska which was the next stop. And we have stayed at an Airbnb in uh, Chicago. Uh, and we are on our way to Pittsburgh to stay at another Airbnb before eventually making it to New York City uh, tomorrow. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the Airbnbs or the hotels? Like, which, what's your feeling of sanitation or being away from people? Or Right. So there's like a, there's like a, you can make a trade off. When you go to an Airbnb, you don't 100% know how much of a, a person's house effectively has been scrubbed down and cleaned from the last person that was there. And to be honest, I've never trusted that with hotels either. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm just playing the mental game of like, oh, I hope this isn't anything. <laughs> and I would say that the Airbnbs are at least a little bit nicer because you're not dealing with other people. That, that, that was the strangest to me. It's just that there were people walking through the hotel not trying to give the extra space that everybody else is. Now, what about stopping? I mean, you're doing a cross-country road trip. There's so much stuff to see. Are you able to stop anywhere have you seen any of the stuff that was on your list or has it been just straight driving uh, it's been a lot of driving we we did get out of the car to go on a small hike uh in um snow summit state park in utah uh mm -hmm. it, it was completely like empty there was no one on the on the trail so we were like okay let's give this a shot let's just move our legs for a little while and then we drove through Zion, we drive up to the hotels or the Airbnbs, we order food online, we go, we have gone to pick up food rather than have stuff delivered just because the delivery options aren't as great through the rest of the country like they are in the cities, like the, they haven't been as time tested. A lot of places like my parents have just started ordering out groceries for the first time ever. And this is kind of forcing them to have to do it because they don't want to do it through an app. They don't want to experience that stuff. So just like most of the country isn't really as delivery skilled. I think we found that the most restaurant full-on closures, not going to even try to do takeout or delivery in any way, have been in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Like Chicago had uh, a list in the infatuation that was saying, oh, these are the best places to get pickup or delivery. And half of those restaurants in, in the infatuation are already closed. We just kept running into problems where they oh, wow. were either overwhelmed or they couldn't make the model work and they couldn't financially afford it or whatever it happened to be. I'm not sure. They felt like it wasn't safe. I'm, I, I don't know. But like tons and tons of restaurants have were just straight up closed in Chicago and unable to do any business whatsoever. 
Then when you say Chicago has been the hardest city to travel through during the pandemic? I Yes. So far, it seems as though like, you know, Omaha, Nebraska is operating more or less the way that they usually do. It's just that the restaurants are closed. The city of Chicago is very strange. Like it, it it's a lot, a lot of closed, closed, closed businesses, like not even trying to do, like I said, not even trying to do a version of running a restaurant that they can right now. Uh, the streets are completely empty. They are doing the thing that they're doing in New York, which is pretty cool, which is at, uh, I believe, at 8 o'clock. They do the thing where they celebrate and like make a bunch of noise for the people that are working right now, the essential workers. That was really great to see. Obviously, you, you can't do that in, in Los Angeles because nobody would hear you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really bonkers. Like The whole city just erupted, and it wasn't until I pieced together what was going on that I was like, oh, I guess there's no parade that's happening, or like obviously there's no like sports event that everyone is celebrating all at once this is this is this is what that is i just i wasn't expecting it when it happened so on your entire drive what would you say is the highlight what's been the the nicest thing you've experienced the easiest thing you've experienced what's what's your what's your biggest highlight of the trip so far besides seeing your wife (laughs) that's obviously the best so the thing that i don't i don't want to recommend that people do a, a road trip right now but I will say that all over the country, gas prices are incredibly low right now. The street, the roads themselves, the interstates are completely empty. So you make incredible time going from one place to the other. So like there are pleasant benefits that have come out of this. But again, don't want to recommend that anyone do this unless they absolutely have to. Like we would do stay at home. We're just in between homes at the moment. So we have to. What's been the hardest thing? What's been the thing that most upset you during this trip? It's like the, the elements of the trip have upset me. I, I am still, you know, obviously bummed that I, I didn't get to say goodbye to everyone. And now, like, seeing how everything is rolling out with this, it might be a very, very long time. You know, uh, when we first realized this was going to happen, we weren't going to be able to say goodbye to everyone. We made the plan, like, obviously, we'll just come back to Los Angeles to be able to do a, a proper goodbye with everyone else. But... I don't know when it's going to be the time for me not just to fly back and be in the same city with everyone, but when we can go in groups to restaurants again. Like all of that seems so unknowable at this moment that I'm just really like, I'm really sad that the cathartic goodbye is going to be delayed so much that it might be like, oh, meth, you're gone by the time. (laughs) <laughs> by the time I actually get to do it, selfishly. So you've seen so many different parts of the country responding to quarantine and the pandemic in different ways. Has it changed your outlook about the pandemic or how you see the pandemic going? I had kind of assumed from the very beginning that this would be a thing that the cities would take seriously and that people that weren't forced to be around other people anyway, because they live on large plots of land, they aren't they're a little more isolated in general, they weren't going to take it as seriously. And that would effectively cause some mismatch in the timing of of the spread of this. It's a little disheartening to see how, even in places where people are still being around one another, no one seems to care in the middle of the country where where we're currently driving through. There isn't a lot of public concern about it. There isn't a lot of public precaution taken about it. So it makes me think that it is going to be 
a much longer second wave through the more remote parts of the country. Uh, last thing about the virus. Are you scared of the virus or how do you feel about the virus exactly now? Uh, I, I'm not unaware that we're going to a high concentration of people. I'm not unaware that we are going to a place that is already overtaxed as far as the supplies and abilities and space for medical support. I am aware of all of those things. I, and that concerns me, but I do feel as though taking the proper precautions to avoid getting infected wherever possible once we settle in to the city should help us and should go a long way to help prevent any issues with the virus. So yes, I am concerned. I can't say that I'm like, I'm obviously not shut down with fear. We're making a trip across the country right now. Like <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our best with what we have, but I, I do, yeah, of course, it's very concerning to go to what is effectively the epicenter of the virus at the moment. Staying away from the miasma that is talking about living in New York, I'm going to ask right. you five quick questions, and then we're going to get into your list. These are just the first thing you think of to answer is what we're looking for here. Are you ready? Got it. All right. Question number one. What is something you wish you had or had more of? Uh, toilet paper, for sure. You ran out of toilet paper? We have three rolls. Ooh, all right. What is something you actually don't need but thought you would? I bought canned soup like that I don't even like a bunch of those and I we ended up we were like we're not going to drive with canned soup across the country that's like we're okay we can do a little bit better than that so I ended up donating a lot of those to the Salvation Army before that what number three what is some way that you have surprised yourself during the quarantine I surprised myself in how quickly I just allowed myself to be okay with a uh, like a mad max scenario <laughs> like if i was stuck on the road in a car because like all the cities were closed i was just like that's what's gonna happen we're just gonna live mad max style and like fight for gas and just keep moving in the car all right number four what has been the hardest thing to find for me i set my heart on finding some cre uh, some dream sickles the popsicle has been really hard have you what is the hardest thing that you've set your mind on to find i have for the better part of two years been trying to eat more plant-based than usual it is very very hard for me to find the like the mirium of meat substitute protein things that existed prior to all this because the vegans are fierce and they go and they snatch every bit of it up before i can get to it <laughs> and so like i haven't had just like is this is like really good chicken substitute that i put into like um, cow and I make soup and stuff like I just I want that chicken substitute I cannot find it it doesn't exist anymore as far as I'm concerned not to me it exists to the like the roughest and most fierce vegans on earth but not to me all right last are you thinking more about the future present or past right now Oof. uh like all of them it, moving in the middle of this is the strangest you, you, you recognize that you're going to have like this ton of like developing emotions when you leave a place and so i'm nostalgic for the times that i had in los angeles i am very present in the trip and what is going on right now and i am concerned about what the future holds for 
finding a job once I get to New York, finding staying safe, staying uh, connected. Like all of the things are all very present right now. It is a it is a mess. I am a mess. All right, Mike. Now before we get into your list. What I want to know is what do you, what to you makes for a good stream during this pandemic? So I think one of the things that people want right now is a reason to talk to their family members and loved ones and not talk about the pandemic. So something that just grabs the attention of literally everyone all at once and is like universally beloved, I think everyone is driving in harder for that. They just want something that like, oh, you, you like this? I'm gonna watch this too, just so we can talk about the thing you like that I can also pretend to like for long enough to just get this done and not be crushed by the weight of the world right now. I will say your list is possibly my favorite list we've gotten so far. It is a little bit of every type of media and I can't wait to jump into it. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here is Mike from The Roads top five things to stream during quarantine. Here we go. Number five, distorted drawings on TikTok. Please unpack that for me. What is okay. this? And Okay, yeah, I, I would love to. So the distorted drawings on TikTok, there is a, uh, I think it's a filter. I don't know what you call it. Here's, here's, let me premise this by saying, I don't have TikTok. I don't care about TikTok. This might make me care about TikTok, but uh, up until this, this uh, phenomenon, I have not really cared about the TikTok, but uh, the videos have been shared on Instagram, which is where I've seen them, of people holding up their phone, looking through their phone at uh, a piece of paper that's beneath it, and, a, and they hold a pen, and they try to draw with this swirly little filter that changes what you're exactly looking at, draw something simple, like a cat, and just let the distortion turn that picture into something insane and then the very last second of it they reveal the thing you actually drew also on top of it to make it even more fun they do this like springy voice effect so it's like well, when are we gonna do we're gonna draw a cat like it's just an insane <laughs> it's so stupid it's like the game of put your head on a bat spin around in a circle and try to run straight like it's just inevitably going to end in something disastrous and hilarious and it's base and amazing and I love it. How do I find these on Instagram and on TikTok? I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm not I'm not a shill for <laughs> for TikTok for drawing funny for Instagram. I don't know. Uh you'd have to do your own. Is research. it a hashtag? How did you find this to I, begin with? Just people I knew I know started posting them and then I started just like seeing a lot of them all together. I haven't even done the research of going back to look for how to do it myself. Very, very selfish in that regard. I just want I want to consume yours and not ever put any of mine out. I'll have links in the show notes on how to find these because this sounds yes. super entertaining. What would you say is the, the longest you've watched this in one sitting? Has it been like a five minute binge, a 15 minute binge? Or are you in this for like an hour? I don't even know how long a TikTok can be, but I like they I like people try to draw a full on cat. Like that's pretty great. Like it takes a while and like I don't know. I, I rewatch it a couple times so that I can like get all of my tears out about it. Like I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long I have sat watching it. I just I just love them. They're they're like edible enough. Like, you know, I'm not gonna spend an hour doing it probably, but hopefully you're a little bit more uh succinct with number four which is decades of music 
Your number four pick is pre-90s punk music. So define yes. what pre-90s punk music is to you. That's every everything from the 70s to the like first couple of years of the 90s. So I've been listening to The Stooges and like Lou Reed, and I have been listening to Misfits, and I've just been listening to older punk music because every time I get into a realm like what we're in right now where I'm afraid of the government again, I think of Reagan era <laughs> politics and I think of like older punk music and like the things that taught those people to dislike the the government then and and then I want to go back and listen and see if I can learn some more. Also, it just makes me happy. Also, Carolyn hates that music and I've been alone so I can listen to it all I want. <laughs> so, it has been just kind of like a collection of things. I've just been listening to a ton of albums from that era, from the that 20 year era, basically. My favorite punk band is No Effects, which started in the early 80s, but really didn't take off till the early 90s. Do they fit into this or are you only late 70s, early 80s? I've been listening to some No Effects that has been in there. Just to like mix it up, I put in the uh, Salona Thanks for All the Shoes album the other day. Love it. Miss it. Haven't done it in a while. Uh, for a while, punk music started to sound like a parody of itself to me. Like it, mm -hmm. it became, I don't know, less novel and more of a cliche. And so I stopped listening to it for a while. And now I'm just kind of leaning back into it again. If someone wanted to get started with pre-90s punk music, what would you suggest? Where would they start? I would start with the Stooges. I think that's like a really great place to start, like Iggy. And I think it leans into a bunch of different other genres after that. Like I wouldn't. I know that like there's like cliche bands like you know the Sex Pistols and like um, the Clash and stuff. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't start there. I feel like that's good. You should do that. But like, I don't know. There are some. There are certain bands that have stayed more relevant in my mm -hmm. to me. So I, I would go there first and try to like like solidly stay there for a little while. Okay. Now I think it's interesting that you said the Clash because when I think the Clash, I think of uh, Rock the Caspa and more that more melodic punk sound that started yeah, in the, the mid 80s yeah which is a great way to sink into your number three pick a brand new album the new abnormal by the strokes it came out just a couple of days ago it was released on april 10th it's their first album in seven years how mm -hmm. many times have you listened to this album in the last couple of days on the drive we have looped through it twice i put it not because it's like the greatest strokes album it's just that's what I have been dealing with. It feels like because a new album has come out, it feels like, oh, we're still making progress. We're still okay. The world is not stopped. The world is not broken. I can't say that the album itself has gripped me, though I do like one of the music videos a lot. I forget what the name of the track is now, but one of the one of the songs has a music video with like robot versions of the band members that get sent out and then malfunction and hilarity ensues. I recommend that music oh, video if you haven't, yeah, haven't seen that one. I, uh, was kind of a fan of the strokes when they came out in 2001 uh never i've picked up a couple of their songs since then i really like this album i started playing it after you suggested it to me it's not as hard as their early stuff but it's really good right. it kind of reminds me of a blend of what they used to do with like maybe like notes of radiohead or something i could be way off base here this is a more adult strokes album uh than their earlier stuff uh which is fine. I like it. I enjoy it. I'm I'm appreciating what they're doing. I still feel like Julian Casablanca's voice is like this really kind of evergreen 
thing. Like, it's not even like the quality of his voice is particularly good. It's just his voice is so familiar that it, it, it makes me nostalgic for the entirety of their music. I wasn't actually into the Strokes when the Strokes were at the height of their popularity. I thought they were a little over overhyped during that time, actually. And so I like let them go completely and then went back and re-listened to it after they kind of had their heyday. And I just enjoy it. I like I like that. I like that man singing. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to your number two pick because this is exactly how I feel about number two. One of my favorite things to listen to, uh, your number two suggestion is Reply All. It's a podcast hosted by PJ and Alex. This show premiered in 2014. It's the second show by Gimlet Media. It has over 160 episodes. This is my favorite podcast. Mike, tell me a little bit about this show. Part of the reason that I've played this show is uh, it was introduced to me really recently. Like I've known about the show for a while. I am going to just admit here on the recording of a podcast that I have stopped listening to podcasts largely. So there's something about the that uh, driving that I really enjoy with podcasts. And I've stopped driving because I work from home and I was being isolated in my own home. I just lost the time that I usually like to listen to podcasts. So I've let them all kind of like fall by the wayside. I'm way, way behind on the podcasts that I usually listen to. Uh, but someone recommended recently, there was an episode that they did on Reply All about uh, an earworm song from the 90s that a guy is obsessed with trying to get people to remember because he remembers it very, very clearly. And no one in, and it, it develops to go, no one in the world can recognize this very, very, very song, except for just like two people on earth, it seems like. He, he, they try to find a, a hit that was erased from the internet. And it is so fascinating. And it's such a like incredible tale of what happens to try to look for this maybe fever dream song that this guy has. I really like that episode. I played it for Carolyn on the drive. I cannot recommend that one episode at least enough. What's interesting about that is after they figure out where the song is and all that kind of stuff, that song pops up in almost every podcast I listen to. It kind of got this like spread within the podcast community that was really cool. I like that it, it feels like that could not have happened until we, because it's not news. You know, the information that they're, they're looking for a song from the 90s is not newsworthy. It's not something you would ever spend the time on unless you wanted to create content that's about an hour long for a drive <laughs> about <laughs> like super relatable things and like the podcasting era really ushered in a time where that story had legs and could be accomplished and the, the like the people that they contact in order to try to resolve this issue are insane for just you and your buddies talking about this you would never be able to like get the ear of the singer from the bare naked ladies let's say <laughs> Uh, so I just, I just love, I love that we're there. I love, I love that aspect of it. Quick question. Just how do you feel about podcasts? Do you like knowing what your podcasters look like? Or do you imagine in your head what they look like? Or are they just voices? I am always upset when I see what my podcasters look like. Always. Like 100%. Me too. Yep. I never want to know what they look like. And when I see them, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm done with that show now. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, it's the same thing with radio. It's you imagine your ideal version and it's not even always ideal you just imagine the version of the face that goes with the voice and when you're wrong when i'm wrong i am devastated and there's a huge crush to my ego and then i can't look at the face <laughs> anymore. 
since you like the uh, episode about the song, another series I'd suggest you check out is their Robocall Bang Bang Show, where okay. they track down the origins of Robocalls from India. I think it's two, maybe three episodes long. It is really good. I have heard about this. I heard that they like talk to the people. They eventually like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely want to hear this. I've been recommended it before, but again, I have not been driving until this road trip. So uh, I'm going to have to get back into it. All right. Your number one pick is something that is no stranger to the show. Your number one pick for things to stream during the pandemic is Tiger King. The 2020 yep. pandemic documentary. It seems to be the show that's going to represent what being quarantined in America was like? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I I really like when when strange things come out of global events. So like the you know, like the the most blah version of like an example of this is like the news ticker at the bottom of the twenty four hour news cycle came out of wanting to put more information on the screen during nine eleven or post nine eleven. So like that's like a relative thing that like came out of a tragic event. The quarantine giving us a not blah thing giving us this insane global phenomenon of wanting to talk about a blonde mulleted man with an eyebrow ring that looks like it's going into its descent to hell it's just <laughs> i would have never guessed that i would have never imagined it's it's really just fun to see what people are doing with the opportunity to all talk about the same thing at once again and i think that like just like i said like one of the things that makes quarantine streaming really essential is that people want something to put their focus on that is ubiquitous and harmless and easy and uh, 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 relatable to everyone. Everyone has seen a tiger and been like, cool. <laughs> That's it. That's like all you need to go in. Like you don't have to have feelings about animal rights necessarily, but that does help in the, like in caring about the show. You don't, like you could have your political leanings. I don't know. I feel like having strong feelings about animal rights makes this more complicated because a lot of times uh, Jade and I, my wife will be making comments about the show and then I'll be like, oh, but these are actual live tigers. Oh, yeah. Like they, this, like the comment is like, oh, they're so cheap. Oh, this is so, this like, oh, no, this is a real thing. Like these tigers are actually laying in mud. This is a bad oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I fully recognize that the show makes people who are keyed into that aware and, and uncomfortable with it. But I think the show as a whole is so neutral about all of it. Like it just presents it. It really is truly like, I think it's actually just a very good piece of documentary in that like it presents all of the sides. It has all of this information with all of this backstory to it. Doesn't comment it at all. just presents it out to you and allows you to like feel like you could have, political leanings one way or the other and still appreciate the documentary as a whole, or at least just watching it because it isn't telling you, you have to feel one way or, or another. You are the one being like, Oh my God, this dude is a monster. How is he feeding him one, like a tiger, one fish for the day? Like how, how can he do this? But that's you going through it. It's not the documentary saying like, this man is a monster. We're on part <laughs> six of the seven part docuseries. There's so much story here. I thought it was going to kind of run thin in the last three episodes we're going to be drawing stuff out. Every episode is like a twist that you're like, how is this next? Like, how is this also happening to this guy? Jade and I had a moment last night where uh, he runs for governor and after, and there are all these interviews with his staff being like, yeah, you know, when he ran for governor, that, that was like a breaking point for him. 
And I was like, he's had two years where like everyone he knows has died. He is going through financial ruin. His breaking point was about six months ago. And this is him just like, he's already gone. Like he's had a rough life and it keeps happening. There, so uh, for those who haven't watched it, there's an episode uh, about midway through where an already existing documentarian gets involved in his life and loses all of his footage and realizes like, oh my God, this is financially going to ruin me because I think he knew at that point, which is the midpoint of the documentary itself, which has like tons of story afterwards. He was like, this story is so rich at this point that I'm going to be able to sell this forever. <laughs> and then there's still just, there is still even more. Like, I think it's just an example. Like everyone, when they get, they, when they get into this world must be like, I can do everything with this. Like it's gotta be daunting to want to dwindle that down to something that's just simpler and easier to, to digest. But like, Oh man, it is rich with information and details and side stories and characters. It's it, that I think is like really what makes the series more than just a bunch of rednecks fighting with one another. Like <laughs> that is what makes it this big momentary like phenomenon, I think. Now before we move on, I want to go back to just real quick something you said, his uh ear pierce his, his eyebrow piercings. After, if I watch a couple episodes in a row, his eyebrow piercings take on a life of their own. <laughs> it's almost distracting. How does he have so many and they're so loose? Yeah, I am afraid of eating while watching the show. I think it's one of the things because like I'm afraid I'm going to watch it just like whoop, out at some point or like a tiger is going to like take half of like his face or something. I don't know. I just I'm I'm wary of putting food into mouth while looking at this. And I think the eyebrow is like kind of a symbol of that, like the. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm concerned for him and his eye and his skin. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for giving us your list. Let's go through it one more time. Uh, starting with number five. <laughs> number five of things to stream during quarantine was distorted drawings on TikTok. Number four was pre-90s punk music. A great place to start would be the Stooges. Number three is the new Abnormal, the new album by The Strokes. Number two is the podcast Reply All. And your number one pick is the... Netflix documentary Tiger King as a thank you for this great list very all-encompassing list I'd like to give you uh, one suggestion and one new piece of information of what you can stream that I think you might like my first pick is the podcast 99% invisible it is definitely my pairing for reply all have you ever watched it I have I have listened to it in the past I will definitely pick it back up I I do I really enjoyed that podcast a lot and my second uh, suggestion is more a piece of knowledge, just so you know. Last night at midnight, Tiger King released a special episode eight. It is an after show hosted by Joe McHale, who I think is probably the best host for something like this. And it is also on Netflix. Fantastic. Yes, I had heard that there was a, a, another special episode coming, and uh, I'm glad that it's been dropped. I have not seen it yet. I'm very excited to see. I, di I didn't realize it was hosted by Joe McHale. That's, that's fun. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing this list and telling us what it's like to travel the country in a shelter at home world. Of course. Yeah, no, thank you for, for having me. And uh, uh, I mean, maybe I'll come back once I actually get to New York and give you a, a, you a post show. <laughs> All right. Corn Stream today was produced this week by me, Bobby Christian. Special thanks to Mike from the road. If you'd like to share your life or list from quarantine, reach out to me on Instagram at Civil Matador. And remember, this will end, so enjoy it while you can.